Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com. This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Cha. The last thing anyone knew about Donnie Irwin is that he drove off from his home in Camden County on December 29, 2013 to run a simple errand. He should have returned shortly thereafter, but Donnie didn't come back, and his whereabouts remained a mystery for a decade. His sister, Yvonne Irwin Bowen, never stopped thinking about him. Donnie was the best big brother any little girl could have, honestly. Um, he is, he, we are a family of six siblings. He loved the outdoors, he loved to play harmonica, he loved uh, music, um, to play frisbee. Um, he didn't know a stranger. Then, last month, on December 24th, almost exactly 10 years since Donnie Irwin's disappearance, the Camden County Sheriff's Office announced that his remains had been discovered, as well as his car, at the bottom of a pond. Donnie was 59 years old and an Army veteran. On Wednesday, Donnie's sister Yvonne spoke with St. Louis on the Air producer Danny Wisentowski, and she described what it was like to finally get the news after all these years. It was a whirlwind of emotions. The processing was was very difficult to do. It's still challenging because you spend nine years, and I had accepted in my heart that I would probably never find my brother in my lifetime. We still don't know what exactly happened to Donnie Irwin before his death. But over the years, a lot of people were inspired to try and find him and give his family some measure of peace. And in fact, it was one of those people, freelance videographer James Hinkle, who made that long-awaited discovery. And he joins us now. James, welcome to St. Louis on the Air. Uh, Thank you for having me. So, James, you operate the Echo Divers YouTube channel, and that's where you documented your search for Donnie Irwin going back months. Now, before we talk about that particular search, let's talk about what your work entails. How is it that you do search and recovery, James? Well, um, kind of what got me started um, in the interest in in doing search and recovery actually goes back to uh, 1991. a woman by the name of Angela Hammond was abducted from my hometown of Clinton, Missouri. And um, days after her abduction, I was actually part of the uh, uh, search for her. And that whole situation, that whole scenario never really left me. And it kind of, I don't know, inspired me in a way to actually just kind of keep an eye on that case specifically, but also other missing cases. Uh, and then, you know, decades later, whenever uh, I kind of developed some skills um, that could be used for search and rescue, I decided, well, um, here's this guy named Donnie. He's a he's a military veteran. Um, I don't live too far away. What's it going to hurt if I go look? Mm-hmm. And the the ways that you conducted the search you know, back when you were 17 and searching for Angela Hammond and the tools that you use now, what are the skills that are, are the same and, and different comparing then uh, to the present day? 
Well, nowadays we have all kinds of technology. Um, for example, I used a drone on this one. Um, there's, I mean, back in Angela Hammond's when she went missing, uh, drones weren't even thought of at that time. Um, so that's that's probably the biggest difference. Um, and you know, uh, the methods in which uh, people search, you know, they do grid patterns and those type of things. That that's always been around, um, but now you. Uh, you add that with the technology um, that's available, um, tracking software, and then also uh, mapping software as well. Uh, it really aids in the search for missing people. Mm -hmm. And how is it that you learned about Donnie Irwin's case? Well, uh, like I said, uh, ever since Angela went missing, I'd kind of kept an eye on, on her case and then uh, also other cases that would pop up. Um, kind of a fan of true crime as well. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and missing persons were always the kind of cases I, I was always interested in. Um, so in that process, I, I come across uh, some news stories and uh, some other videos and stuff about uh, Donnie uh, going missing. And uh, since I'm in Clinton, Missouri, which is only an hour and a half drive from Camdenton, um, it was close by. Plus with uh, my drone work that I do, um, I I go out and I'll, I'll actually be hired by realtors to uh, videos and photos for for that. I would also work in the area as well, so I would often schedule like a morning shoot at some location in Osage Beach, and then spend the rest of the afternoon just uh, running around um, checking locations to see if we couldn't locate Donnie. Mm -hmm. And so proximity seems to have played some part, but was there anything else about Donnie's case? Um, that made it one that you wanted to pursue? Yes, actually. Um, I am a father, a proud father of a U.S. Marine. Um, my son currently is uh, in the reserves and then also uh, works for our Loki, local uh, sheriff's department here in Henry County. Um, the fact that he was a uh, veteran. <coughs> and then also... Um, I grew up um, with my step-grandfather, uh, who was actually at Pearl Harbor when it was bombed. So I grew up kind of listening to the military stories uh, from my step-grandfather, and then, sorry, uh, uh, also uh, my son being in the military, it just, it's just important to me that you know, we serve those that have served us. Mm -hmm. Well, and the, that sound that we heard, it has to do with uh, some of the work that you do as a volunteer firefighter, <laughs> right? Yes, yes. Actually, that was uh, that was my alarm from the uh, fire department, uh, and I'm trying to shut that off now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I I I have my thing set where it's um, it will override my silent on my phone. Yeah. But, so uh, you're clearly uh, very much involved in in sort of service to community. Now, mm -hmm. as for the search itself. Um, how is it that you conducted that search? We know a little bit about the drone, but were there other circumstances that that drove you to to take that kind of footage on on the day that you discovered uh, Donnie's car? Are, are you talking about the particular particular day that we that yes, we discovered yes. Donnie? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, uh, what we had done is uh, we were in the process of kind of starting over. Um, a lot of areas have been searched by not only other uh, search groups, but also uh, other volunteers and then also all the work that Camden County had done. Um, 
out of frustration, really, we just kind of started over from the from the beginning, and our plan was um, we were going to wait until it was mid-December, all the leaves were off the trees, uh, and then go back and, and, and fly the route that Donnie would have taken that day to go and make a purchase. So... For those that aren't familiar with the Ozarks, um, which I'm sure a lot of people are, it's very hilly and there's a lot of a lot of hills and ravines mm-hmm. uh, in the area. So the idea was to go and check those ravines and make sure that his car didn't go off the off the road somewhere and just hadn't been seen for ten years. Um, the the second part of uh, of what the plan was that day was to also uh, uh, check all the small ponds in the area. Uh, where close to where he would have been um, something happens whenever the water gets cold it usually kills off the bacteria and algae and mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff that would would kind of muck up the water and the water actually becomes a little bit clearer um, so we kind of waited till this time of the year to go check the ravines and then fly over uh, and see if we couldn't see down in some of these small ponds and see if there wasn't a, a vehicle in them and and there was also something about, a, about a, a bale of hay. Is that right? Yes, yes. The 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 bale of hay. Um, I did not know this until we actually got to the location. But one of the one of the old farmer tricks is if you've got a pond that is that is all clouded up, you can throw a bale of hay in it, and it kind of acts as a filter, uh, and it will actually clear the water. Uh, this particular pond that uh, we found Donnie's car in, it was. It was just notorious, according to the landowner, of like nothing could live in there because it was too shallow. It would get too hot and too cold. So, uh, you know, fish couldn't live in there. And and it was always overgrown with algae. So the fact that that pond pond had that hay bale in it uh, acted as a filter and actually made it possible to to see down on the water. Um, What had happened is the uh, owner of the uh, land had baled hay and set it too close to the hill that runs down to the pond, and it just gravity grabbed a hold of it and pulled it right in. Yeah, so it was a sort of an intersection of accident and, and coincidence. Yeah. So when you, um, you know, you were searching a lot of other areas, talk to us about those attempts. I mean, it must have been difficult on some level to keep coming up with nothing even after you had gone back several times. Yeah. Yeah, and it, I tell you what, that that is, doing this is, I mean, it's frustrating work. It really is. Uh, you put together um, plans and different ideas and theories, and you go out and you check those. Um, at one point in time, north of where Donnie's was, car was located, we actually found a car using sonar um, in a private lake. Mm-hmm. Um and we were able to get permission to actually go in and dive down to check to see if that was his car. Uh, of course, it ended up not being. And I, I did release a video about this, and you can clearly see my frustration. The one once we got to the surface, um, that I, how disappointed I was that it wasn't Donnie's car, and that you know, um, uh, you you could you could just tell. You could yeah, just tell. right. Um, but but you know, it was just. That was one more location that we knew that he wasn't at, and um, we just kind of went back, looked at our maps, and picked another location and headed out another time. Yeah. So how did it feel then to get confirmation? There was a dive that was done by 
the police um, to get confirmation that that was indeed Donnie Irwin's vehicle? Well, um, everyone will get to see that reaction. <laughs> once, I re- once I'm able to release the video of, from that day, mm-hmm. um, um, and I've, I've watched this a couple different times, and even though I've seen it a few times, I get a little emotional whenever I watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the diver comes out of the water and, and basically says, you know, it's, it's confirmed that that's the car. Um, I then tried to turn the camera to myself to do like a little monologue to say, okay, this is what's happened. And I can only get a few words out. And mm-hmm. then I, I just turned off the camera uh, because of how emotional that moment was. Yeah. And emotional, I mean, for you as someone who was conducting this search, but then there's the family and what we had heard um, from Donnie Oren's sister, uh, Yvonne. Now, mm-hmm. the fact that you were able to fo- uh, to, to video the um, the pulling up of the vehicle, I mean, I think that also says something quite extraordinary about the, the number of people who were uh, invested in seeing um, some resolution to to Donnie Irwin's being missing. Mm-hmm. Is this something you think that is uh, just about the community that was surrounding, or what, what do you think about that? You know what, honestly, I, and I'm, I'm going to give a shout-out to Camden County uh, Sheriff's Office, is um, the way they handled and conducted this whole thing. Um, once they heard, you know, a vehicle in the water, um, it seemed like their thoughts were immediately this could be Donnie Irwin. There's, there's been a lot of searching done by that department and then other search people uh, to find Donnie. They, I was amazed how quickly they were able to get assets on scene. Mm-hmm. I was just like, um, whenever I was actually on the in my kayak on the pond, we had made the decision to go ahead and contact law enforcement. And before I had even gotten, got off the water, the dive team had already been activated. Mm-hmm. And I really wasn't on the water that long. Right. So um, as soon as Camden County realized, you know, car in the water, they just, they just, okay, this could be him. Let's throw everything at it. Mm-hmm. And that was, it was amazing to watch that process. And, um, um, you could tell by, you know, being around law enforcement there, how much this, this meant to them and to the community, mm-hmm. uh, because the community been in, involved in this, this search for 10 years. We're going to take a very quick break here, but we'll be back shortly to continue this conversation. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com. Now back to our conversation with James Hinkle. You were mentioning just the the emotions that came with learning that the the remains in the vehicle belonged to Donnie Irwin. What was the the range of emotions that 
were going through you at that time, and then even now as we are talking about that day? Yeah, well, you know what? We, we kind of had, had two sets of emotions that we had to deal with that day. Um, when they actually removed the car, they did a, a very uh, thorough search of the vehicle, and actually did they didn't find his remains in the car. Mm. Um, it wasn't until uh, Christmas Eve morning that uh, divers from Mid-County Fire Protection District went back and um, they searched in an area that cadaver dogs had indicated in the water mm-hmm. and were able to locate his, his remains then. So uh, my emotions that day was he, they're pulling out the car. Uh, you're going through, all, you know, the, uh, the hurry up and wait kind of emotions there mm-hmm. to, uh, to the point where um, the sheriff's department representative came over to us and the family and said, well, there's nothing in the car. But now our plans are to search the the pond. And then on Christmas Eve morning, I received a uh, a phone call uh, telling us that they actually had uh, found enough human remains that would uh, that were consistent with Donnie's. Um, Donnie actually had a titanium hip replacement, and they were actually able to find a titanium hip uh, in the water uh, as well as you know some of the rest of his his remains. Mm-hmm. So we kind of went through that whole, emotion twice um uh there was there was the the emotion of of finding the vehicle and then the huge letdown of well we didn't actually find him right right and then a few days later you know the emotion of 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 finding donnie Mm -hmm. and that emotion that you're describing the media not only locally but nationally um, online and uh, television, radio, clearly here. There's been a lot of interest in this case. How has it been to see that um, and to see that much attention at that level? Well, you know, honestly, um, I'm really proud that Donnie's story gets has got out there and that people um, have got to honor Donnie really. Um, you know, it, it's very important to myself um, as a father of a U.S. Marine that, uh, you know, these guys that, that served us, that we can get, we can, we can serve them. Mm. Um, and um, Donnie is, is, you know, in a way, he put on the pedestal that he should have been. Um, what brought Donnie here and you know, to that location at that time, um, it could have been a situation where this was, uh, you know, suffering from PTSD and or other mental issues that mm-hmm. a lot of former military do suffer from. Right. Um, you know, a lot more of that has come to light. Um, not that people didn't know that, but it's just, I mean, this, this is something that happens to, um, the people that serve us mm-hmm. and that, um, um, and, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a doctor. I'm just a guy with a with a drone and a, and a scuba tank. Mm-hmm. But it does look like this was a situation where he was suffering for from a lot of depression. He also had a lot of health issues at the same time. Right. He had already uh, lost one leg, and it was my understanding that he he might have to lose his his other leg. Mm-hmm. So, um, lots of questions still remaining. Yeah. Yeah. There really are. Now, it doesn't feel surprising. Uh, that this case has attracted so much news coverage. It's a remarkable story. 
you know, missing persons case solved by a citizen investigator after 10 years. And then for the confirmation about the um, the remains coming on Christmas Eve, that also adds another layer to it. Uh, Yvonne Irwin-Bowen, Donnie Irwin's sister, talked with our producer, Danny Wisentowski, and she said that she was grateful to finally know what happened to her brother, but that sudden media coverage and the calls from reporters were hard to take. I won't lie to you. At first, it was very offensive um, because nobody was there when he went missing. Now everybody's there that he's found. And it was kind of it was kind of hard at first, but now I understand because it's it's a situation that people are realizing that you just don't give up, and and I think that's the just of what all these different news companies, um, from from the New York Times to CNN to Inside Edition to you to the Washington Post to Stars and Stripes, they've all looked at this and thought, look, this is a family. This is a sister that never stopped. And for 10 years, I literally never stopped. And, you know, I I just, that was my realization that, okay, don't be offended. Be happy that people want to share the story. And maybe, maybe by me telling people, don't ever give up hope, that nobody else will give up hope either. And again, that was Yvonne Irwin-Bowen, who's Donnie Irwin's sister, James, what do you make of her points there? Um, it, are there certain ones that really resonate for you? Mm, you know, um, I've just started to get to know Yvonne, and she is she's a fighter. And um, what she's gone through, um, honestly, I don't know if I could have lasted this long uh, myself, but... Um, She's an inspiration, really, mm-hmm. um, because she, she didn't give up. Um, you know, she she kept going, uh, and I, and I'm right along with her. I you know, I in a lot of ways I feel the same way that, that she does. You know, um, that it's and I've kind of already stated this, but I mean, it's nice to see that Donnie finally gets honored in in such a way that people um, now can look at his story and draw inspiration from it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of my biggest hopes is that people will um, take heed and, and understand that people that serve us, uh, sometimes they need a little help too mm-hmm. um, as well. Uh, and then I hope this inspires other people that, you know, if you've got somebody missing in your area, you know, sometimes just going around and driving around and, and looking and getting your, you know, boots on the ground and eyes on something, maybe you maybe you turn something up. Mm-hmm. Um, it it happens. Um, you know, honestly, our our EMS system and uh, also our you know police departments they're overwhelmed. They're they're way understaffed right now. Uh, so that makes their job of dealing with the, you know these missing persons cases that you know sometimes go on 10, 20 years, even more difficult to. Uh, uh, to solve because they just don't have the manpower sometimes to to actually put people on these cases. Mm-hmm. So. Would you say that this is a story of hope for you, James? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I have a simple philosophy I live live by. Uh, if you never give up, you're never going to lose. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is one of those cases. I, I didn't give up. Um, 
and and trust me, I had all kinds of disappointments. Every time I went somewhere and ran sonar or uh, um, drove around or, or, or looked in this pond or that pond or, or dove on a car and that wasn't Donnie, it was very disappointing. Um, we I actually had another situation uh, that almost made me give up. Um, one of the guys that I actually dove with looking for Donnie, a guy named Sean Matar, mm-hmm. um, um, I was... I'll, I'll start kind of from the beginning. Um, I put a call out to, because we needed to search a body of water, but the guy that I normally dive with couldn't go. So uh, Sean and a guy named Leonard um, answered the call, and I'd never really met these guys before. I kind of knew of them. Uh, we all went down and searched a quarry down in um, um, southern Missouri. And, of course, we didn't find anything, but we did find some guns. Uh, it was a good dive and, and got, to, got to know these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, Several months later, uh, Sean went on uh, a dive trip uh, in Mexico, and unfortunately, he didn't follow some of the rules. Um, he dove and didn't wait enough time. He got on an airplane and um, got uh, decompression sickness really bad and actually ended up taking his life. Oh, no. Um, yeah, so here's, here's a guy that, that uh, even though we weren't the closest friends, I mean, we were, we were brothers in the water. And he had lost his life mm-hmm. scuba di- because of scuba diving. Right. So um, that was that was tough. It took me a while to get back in the water, but uh, eventually I did. And um, I mean, it was a good thing we did because you know we we kept on searching for Donnie and um, we found him. But um, you know, part of my personal story is um, I did lose a dive buddy. Right. So. Oh, so it's a story of, of hope and a lesson in a number of different ways. So, I mean, mm-hmm. this is a story that's been covered, um, as uh, Yvonne had mentioned, in virtually every major newspaper and uh, you know, TV stations in the country. Of the reactions that you have gotten so far, which of them sort of exemplifies why you continue to do this work? You know... Um since the story kind of broke um, and it, it's gotten all this attention, I've been overwhelmed with people saying, good job, you know, uh, you know, thanks for your tenacity, all that type of thing. And that, that, that is the motivating factor. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I, I'm totally honored to be a part of this process. Um, I don't, and I don't, I don't take all the glory myself. Uh, there's a lot of people out there that did a lot of more work than I did. Um, before I ever showed up and then what um, Camden County was able to do and and how quickly they were able to actually locate Donnie's remains um, you know I was just I'm just very honored to be part of that process and we're thankful that you were able to share some of that with us James thank you so much you're welcome This episode was produced by Danny Wissentowski. Audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dore. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. St. Louis on the Air proudly supports local artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? 
suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations, and leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.